Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Who's going first? I mean, do we want to talk about like the big issue at hand here, which is Culver's switched their drink products from Pepsi to Coca-Cola? That was Ooh. a big deal. They also changed their cheese really? where they source their cheese. You basically. heard that from me. And they don't have sweet and sour anymore. Is their name still based off of the prairie flower that we grow here at Hoxie? Culver's Root? I don't think it was ever based on that. I think it's based off of Chet Culver. <laughs> Chet Culver? <or> John <laughs> Culver. I don't know. I don't know. I just, All right, Peyton, it sounds like you're going first. I can go first. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. I went to the grocery store one time. I, you, you have never, <laughs> if anyone's ever looked at your face, they've look, never been like, that dude's look, been to me, a grocery store. Me and my girlfriend went to the grocery store and eggs seemed expensive. And it turns out they are about as expensive as they've ever been, which apparently is because all the chickens are dying from bird flu. Hmm. Bird flu. I thought people died from bird flu. Well, that's the, that's the fear. We've had a couple of, well, at least one other major uh, bird flu or avian flu, avian influenza outbreak uh, here in Iowa back in like 2015, 2016, and it was much more widespread than right now. Although right well, now, it was more widespread among people, which this one people don't. Well, really, but even even yeah. farm to farm, like like uh, uh, you were hearing all over the place, farmers would find out they have you know a couple birds that would test positive. They'd have to kill off their entire. Uh, flock of either turkeys or chickens or or whatever it was but i think this avian flu uh maybe you know this you read it in the article because this is actually news to me kind of right now but i know that this was a big deal in wild bird populations specifically waterfowl like back in the summer yeah they've had a lot of issues um it with it spreading due to um basically migratory patterns Okay. Wild fowl. Yeah. So same same outbreak yeah. then, evidently. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and they said there's been one case of a human having it, but they think it was because it was in his nose and not because he actually had it. Oh, okay. so as sure. far as I know, it's not like so COVID. when they when they swabbed him, yeah. he he had some. Yes. Some but it's it's not viral born. load there. It's not food borne or anything. That dude out there just snorting the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he can't get it. Okay. So so what does that what what does that have to do with our eggs? What's going on? Why? Well, Less chickens equals less eggs, and less eggs means a higher price per egg or a PPE, if you will. Price per egg. <laughs> <laughs> Very official. Oh so, what, is, what does this mean for the U.S.? Are, are you are you growing chickens right now? I used to, and look, if you're thinking about buying chickens to get into like. Oh, it'd be a fun project for my kids to do 4 H with chickens <laughs> or like grow eggs, and I want to sell eggs. Don't. Don't do it. It's a trap. They all died. <laughs> all of yours. They died in the wind last summer. But the bigger issue here is uh, people. So farmsteads, right? Farmsteads are sexy. People are like, yeah, I want to. I want a farmstead. I want to raise my kids on the farmstead. It's a hot hashtag right now, dude. It is. Uh, but um, when you deal with chickens, because it's not the money. They don't cost that much to raise. It's not the money. It's the smell. It's hearing them. It's being around them. It's them chasing your kid and pecking them in the leg. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, they're yeah. just chickens are the worst. It's hard to keep things alive. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of time. If you took a war criminal and then reduced his IQ to 30 and put him in bird form, 
It'd be a chicken. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I there's, some, there's some reference about uh, Heartless, about brainless, Russia in there. and very hungry. <laughs> All right. We need to change. We need to change. Kent, your turn. Well, uh, so this weekend I drove across probably, I don't know, a quarter of the state. Um, my grandfather just celebrated his 86th birthday, so happy birthday to my grandpa. What's his name? Norm Terlau. Norm Terlau. What yeah. a legend. Did you have a so, cute grandpa name for him, like Pop-Pop or no, Peepa? Just, just grandpa. <laughs> In fact, my parents wanted kind of the not like super like there if there was a a level of cutiness for like uh grandparent names my growing up my grandparents would have been back at like square one like yeah i'm your grandpa just call me grandpa whereas you could go all the way up to like grandpappy or papa or something like that would be like a 10 my parents wanted to go from that level one of grandpa grandma to like i'd say a level three maybe four so my my dad goes by Grampy, and my mother goes by Grammy, and it was very hard for me to allow my kids to say those words. They just seemed so needy when they were saying those words. Really? Right? Yeah. So, but now I'm you know I'm numb to it. So, man, I but, went. My mom has her grandkids call her Ema. Nick doesn't want to say it again, dude. It, it hurts my soul, man. I, I all I could think of is an emu. I, I think it's like Hebrew for mom or grandma or something oh, like that. Yeah, that's man, cool. It's yeah. tough. That's yeah. yeah. I like that one. Like, uh, like if I was gonna choose uh, another name, like another name for a grandparent that's in another. If language, I was the grandparent, I'd pick Overlord. My grandkids <laughs> would call me Overlord. I'd go by, or I, I would want my kids to call my mom. I'm pretty sure, isn't there like a babushka or something like that, like in uh, German or something like that? Or I think I read a story when I was in grade school that where that was think the, your mom's the a Russian baboon. Maybe Russian or something. Yeah, it's a Russian term for grandmother. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that would be that. That's a cool one. But here's here's an interesting one. My wife's dad didn't know what he wanted to be referred to as, so he's like, "I can just call me Jim because that's his name." And my wife didn't like that, so she's like, "What about Jim Paw?" So now he's known as Jim Paw. <laughs> huh. I my uh, nieces and nephews there. My brother in law's mom has their has her grandkids call her Ama Joan. Her name's Joan, and it's Ama Joan, which I might be German. I don't know. I don't know. But so so you drove across the yeah, border. Anyways, of the state. Yeah, yeah. To celebrate my grandpa. Name that all grandpas should be named to celebrate his birthday. And uh, that was in Iowa City, so, you know, good hour and a half from my house. And while driving across the state, I noticed some outside rows of corn were left standing in a field or two. And it, like, just dawned on me right away because of how it was positioned in the field. It was super close to the road. I was like, I bet you that guy left that up for a snow fence, you know, to help keep snow from drifting over the road. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of nice of the guy. Well, then on my way back home, I see another stand like way down off Interstate 80, and there's a sign by it. And turns out it's an official Iowa DOT program, a standing corn snow fence program, where they pay farmers uh, $2 above the average uh, corn price. PPA, market price. if you will, price per acre. <laughs> At uh, per bushel, uh, PPB, PPBA, yeah. 
Right. Price per bushel an acre. Ooh. <laughs> wonder what a bushel of eggs would cost. Right? Anyways, the the they pay $2 above that market price as of August 1st of that year. So, or the previous August 1st, I guess I should say. So, uh, these farmers are leaving these outside rows staying, which I think is cool. You know, it, the reading I did on the program said it costs the state about 100 times more to remove the snow that would have drifted over the road than to pay those farmers that two bucks extra for those. Mm, that's the, interesting. Those, th- well, Technically, they pay them the full price plus two dollars to leave that corn standing. But then, when you like think about it, and so we're in the prairie business, right? That's what native grasses do, <laughs> and that's what a CRP program could, could do. just put CRP right. in the ditches, and you would never have to mess with it. You know, you could just let big blue and uh, switchgrass and and Indian grass grow there, and it would make for a great snow fence that would come back year after year on its own. And uh, would not, and would not have to have you know, fossil fuels burnt and man hours to manicure it and everything else. So, you know, it's kind of like yeah, I think it's a good thing, but probably would be even better if we took that money and paid farmers to put in native grasses there. It's always better to take money and put in native grasses. Yeah, when in doubt, buy hoxie seed. Yeah, if you <laughs> if eggs are too high a price, just buy seed with that money instead. Yep. That seems relevant. Well, mine is also about corn, but I had a little article I was reading the other day um, from January 13 about Tesla turning up the heat on price cuts Hmm. because they were like all sorts of in the mix. And I know like Tesla is the sexy thing to talk about or whatever. No, that's farmsteads. What if you had a Tesla farmstead? Dude, a Tesla farmstead. What the heck? Let's move over, Chip and Joanna. <laughs> I, have a ch- I have a Tesla farmstead. Every, everything on the farmstead is Tesla. Well, so I read this other article then. And this is all the way back in 2020. Ag Economist says Tesla is the biggest threat to farming. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. That that. So I don't think Tesla has everything correct. And I think Tesla also thinks they don't have everything correct. But I think they're taking a step in a direction that we need to start heading. And instead of instead of the farmers being like, man, how can we supplement this? How can we make our land or our acres or our corn or our equipment? How can we help the world progress forward? They're like, man, you're changing and it's it's affecting my dollar bill. And I, I don't like it. So I don't know. Do you, uh, do you guys think that we should... Uh, like, at what point do you say, oh, man, agriculture is too big to fail? If, if agriculture fails, the United States goes under, so we need to prop them up. Well, the problem with that is we are basically, if agriculture fails, because we're in Iowa, um, if agriculture f- fails, that would directly affect basically the entire state of Iowa. <laughs> Everyone we know. Everyone we know <laughs> would be, like, very deeply affected by it because... It would immediately, I feel it, you know, if uh, corn was reduced to nothing and there was no like buyout of any sort or government compensation. Peyton, you got to talk into your mic. You're, hold, you're holding it yeah. over here. Yeah. Your ear. yeah. Well, like <laughs> Iowa would like become one of the poorest states basically immediately. No, because think about it. I mean, they'd have like bad years, but Iowa's such hardworking, like just in general. I mean, obviously, we know each of us know a lot of people that do not work hard. But compared to like other states, I've lived in other states. I was a hardworking state. 
Um, we, we'd figure it out, right? Because your economy, the biggest thing is, are you actually producing, right? Mm. So, and, and we would find ways to produce. Now, I, it, it, I'm not, I don't want an agricultural failing. I just think that we can take steps in a direction that help us rather than hinder us. And I feel like corn actually is holding us back. Ooh, we might get canceled. The amount of corn we produce is holding us. Yeah. Back. So in case anyone doesn't know, I don't know what time we're at, Nick. Um, we've said this before, but uh, basically 53%, not basically, um, uh, 53% of Iowa's corn goes to ethanol. 51, isn't it? No, it's, I think it's 57. It's I'm Googling it. Somewhere between 50 and 60%. So if you take a company like Tesla and you reduce the amount of ethanol or fuel needed to power a lot of vehicles, then what do you do with half the corn? According to iowacorn.org, Iowa leads the nation in ethanol production with 57% of the corn grown in Iowa going wow, to create Nick nearly wins. 27% of all American ethanol. I, I, yeah. Oh, is it 50? But the... It's fifty-seven, but the percent of all American ethanol. No, no, no. of no, all corn of, grown in Iowa. Okay. Corn I'm grown a, in Iowa. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Well, <laughs> all right, we're talking a few percentage points. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, which happens to be billions of dollars. Um, I, that's good. It's good for where we have it. Yeah. But now that we're progressing, let's progress with it. Let's not hold everyone else back just because it's where we're at. Yeah, it's we could selfish. also because we have corn figured out. Like we 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 know how to grow it. So that's not to say you couldn't find a use for all 1.5 billion bushels of corn that are currently being put yeah. towards ethanol. And there could be a lot of new, very innovative uses like uh, high fructose corn syrup. Big, big fan. We're already, we're <laughs> already, we're are, already making plenty of high. If you guys <laughs> haven't seen that. Peyton's uh, energy Desk. drink reviews, they uh, they are good and they are funny. But the I, I feel like, like uh, George Washington Carver... He found like a million uses for peanuts. We could do the same for corn. Or, or, hear me out. We could grow peanuts. We don't grow <laughs> corn as much. We, we cut out, let's say like 20, just 20% of the corn. Just 20%. And we use all of the subsidies that people are getting for corn as, as conservation subsidies. Help yeah. our water. I was like the worst water. Yeah, so, so... I like that idea in the sense that you're, you know, to totally rework the system right now would be something that would be, I guess you could say apocalyptic in nature. <laughs> you know, we're so far embedded into the system of, of uh, what agriculture, what the ag industry is today, that it would almost be like if all of a sudden America decided that we're going to drive on the left side of the road instead of the right side of the road imagine how that would like what a change to the system that would require you know all the exit ramps and all the all the um stoplights and everything that would have to change would just be so huge plus training people on a totally new thing so it can't just be a pull the rug type of thing i you know i agree with yeah. with Peyton in that that it would our our economy here in Iowa is totally dependent upon agriculture and uh corn is what makes that wheel turn here in in iowa 
However, I also agree with Nick that we're growing more than what we need. I think that uh, in the sense of attacking what's going on with with uh, moving to electric power sources uh, isn't the isn't a productive thing it because it gives us a way out of something that we're so far into you know what i mean like if all of a sudden farmers could still have that same amount of money like nick was talking about but it's just paid to go into uh crp or or for an old-fashioned term here because i like the way it sounds is set aside land right they're still getting the same amount of money that they would have had Mm -hmm. if they were growing corn on it but we just say well, right now we value having cleaner air, cleaner water, hanging on to our soil more than we value what we got from having excess corn. Then that would allow us almost a bit of like a halfway reset, right? Because then we can start repurposing those acres and doing what Nick's talking about here and going into production of other needed things. Just solar panels. Which would help, which would help with returning to a smaller farm model as well. Right. And we're going to have a podcast uh, uh, posted soon where we talk about that with Luke Fritch about why grain commodities came about. A lot of it had to do with just the you can store them for a long time without wor- worrying about spoilage and, and everything else. Ken, you had, you had a good you had a good reel, but we're at 17 minutes, man. What are we going to do? Well, all that to say, yeah, I think change needs needs to happen but it's gonna have to be rather gradual as well so cool there's a cool article though you brought up there. yeah can't hit us with the jingle do 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 do